Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of June 8th. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Notes Master, Kevin Kovac, Big Shot Bob, Robert Holman, and Kyle Darren McFadden. <sighs> Fellows, it's officially Million and Dream Week at Eldora. Notes that people listening at home, we are recording this on Monday because we'll be traveling to the Big E on Tuesday. And I have to come clean. I'm nervous, guys. I am nervous. I said it on the video cast. I was like a kid in a candy store in 2001, and I am still a kid in a candy store in 2022 for the Eldora Million 2.0. Exciting times. Kovac. How are you feeling? Because you weren't at the first million. Well, 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 yes, I was at the oh, first million. Oh, you were. Million. I covered yes, it for the sir. I covered that race. I wrote a story about Donnie Moran winning. I was with Larry Auto Racing News then. So yeah, so I, I was there. I, I was I went to that before I'd even been to a World One Hundred, actually. My first World One Hundred was two thousand four with uh with Chubb Frank winning, but uh, but yeah, I was at the world. I was at the million. You weren't a late uh, model media guy, so we didn't count you as. Yeah, well, I wasn't a hundred percent. I died. I was doing some late model stuff at that point, though. I'd been to some. I'd been to a dirt track world championship at Pensboro and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's 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 here now. I mean, uh, I was at West Virginia Motor Speedway over the weekend for the Lucas Oil, uh, you know, the historic one hundred, and and just talking to people in the pits. You know, you could tell that it's. I mean, it, it was almost like. Uh, West Virginia was maybe a little bit of an afterthought when you think about it. I mean, obviously that was running for a, a, a 50,000 to win at the, at the event and 15,000 on Friday, but people's minds were, you, you could see, they were already going towards uh, Eldora. Uh, and, and some of them were, I know, like I talked to Brandon Overton uh, and Overton's like, man, all right, it's time. Let's just, let's get it over with already, you know, because I'm, I'm, everybody gets tired of the talk about it. I think, uh, and, and the speculation about what's going to happen and, 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 the, and the electricity in the air and stuff. And, and now I feel like now that they, they finally can, it, it's here, Let, let's go get on the racetrack and, and forget about all the talk about what it would be like to win a million dollars and let's go try to win it. So uh, I think everyone's pretty anxious and, and ready to get out there um, to start racing. Oh yeah, I am thrilled. The drivers are probably licking their chops, maybe a little nervous heading up uh, the main highway there to get to Eldora. And I kind of felt like prior to this weekend, there really wasn't much buzz with the drivers maybe per se, or not a lot of people talking about it because we have so much racing. There's like a $50,000 to win race one week. Then the next week we're racing for the same amount. Just seemed like, you know, you couldn't wrap your mind around it. Robert, can you kind of feel it now? A little uh, buzz and momentum headed to the, head into the big E this week? No, I actually uh, didn't get, any butterflies until I just now started talking to you guys actually and realized that we are actually this close. We're actually, you know, 24 to 48 hours away from heading out and, and getting there and, and, you know, just everything, you know, the, everything getting started. I, I didn't really feel those butterflies at all until, until just now, until we're starting, you know, cause like you said, like everybody has said, we've had so much stuff going on. You know, we've had all these, like you just mentioned, we've had all these big races and, I've kind of flashed back to, uh, to 2001 and I mentioned this on the, uh, the video cast. It was kind of the same way. We had uh, a lot of, we had, I was at Bristol, I think like four or five days, three days of Bristol, three, uh, like four or five days right before. And, uh, and I just covered the, uh, I think the show me 100 maybe was right before that as well. And so we had had all these races right there and then all of a sudden, bam, it's the million, but, I agree with, uh, uh, I agree, I agree with everyone else. Let's get this over with. You know, I, I kind of like what uh, uh, Brandon Overton's mindset, let's do it, you know, because in fact, I actually said this, you know, to my, to my wife last night, I'll be glad when this deal is over. I'm excited about it and man, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but I'll be glad when it's over so we can take a breath, you know, and maybe kind of uh, exhale so to speak, and get on with the rest of the season because, you know, fellas, there's a lot of money still out there the rest of the season. You know, this is just kind of, I feel like kind of the halfway point that we've almost been holding our breath and then, whoo, big exhale and then kind of see how the season plays out because there's a lot of money on the line the rest of the way. Kyle, how are we feeling? Big time late bottle race, probably uh, 
Well, it is the biggest one, but you're going to be covering it for the first time. I know you were pretty excited on that video cast. How are we feeling, you know, the week of now? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. No, I'm, I'm with Robert. I'm also with Kevin. You know, it, it didn't really hit me, I guess. I was at Hagerstown on Sunday, you know, just kind of uh, talking with Craig Satterley there and talking with Rick Eckert, who won't be making the trip um, this week. Just kind of, uh, you know, just like packing up and leaving the racetrack and just kind of knowing that, oh, man, you know, we're headed out this week to Eldora for the million. And so the timing of this race, I think, is, you know, even though we're, we're five and a half months into the season now, it's, it's almost perfect. You know, it splits the season up. Uh, thank God that this race isn't coupled with the world, you know, in September. I mean, my gosh, could you think about, like, having to wait eight to nine months uh, to get to that point? I mean, this thing's going to be huge. And I, I, I've been trying to, like, envision it and try to picture perhaps the intensity and the emotions and just kind of what that's going to be like. But I don't think we're really going to know until it's kind of like an in-the-moment thing. So never been to a late model race at Eldora been to a sprint car race so uh quite the first one to go to and check that one off the list yeah that's kind of wild it'll be your uh first ever late model race you know covering so that's pretty exciting stuff especially it's gonna be one of the bigger ones in our lifetime and obviously the history of our sport Kovac I mean how wild is it gonna be we're gonna wake up Friday morning and we're gonna we're gonna know a millionaire in one day you know it could be could be a guy like Ricky Thornton Jr. He gets a Cinderella win, or it could be, you know, just a guy that's been winning here the last three or four years, like uh, Shepard, Davenport, or Overton. It's just – it's like a crapshoot, especially with the way the track conditions have been the last two times there. Well, I kind of – I kind of liken it to, hey, somebody's going to be a lottery winner. Uh, you know, you're – yeah, you play the lottery, going for that million dollars all the time, get to get a scratch-off game or something, but – and really, you think about it, your your odds are a lot better in this than they are in a lottery. I mean, you only got I, I know that um, Donnie Moran's wife told me that, too, like from back in the 2001 when Donnie Donnie won. She goes, yeah, like you, you when you see that big money there and, and it's like you're thinking about you win that lottery. What am I going to do if I win? What how am I going to spend that money? You know, what, how will it change our lives? And and uh, but I mean, most of the time with the lottery, it's. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty far out there. You're really, really dreaming it. But with a guy like Donnie Moran back then in 2001, who was so good at Eldora, uh, his wife, Brenda, said it, it, it wasn't. The odds were pretty good. I mean, that was a pretty good odds. You could really, I mean, you could really tangibly think about winning that money uh, more than just like it being something out there in the netherworld, I guess, because he was so good. And, and then he wins it. And um and it could, it's going to be the same. It could be the same with someone. I mean, like a, a Jonathan Davenport, you know, four World 100 wins already um, in a dream and an intercontinental classic. I mean, he's so good there. Uh, I mean, he he's sitting there. He's already called it the biggest race of his life. He's never run. He never made it to the NASCAR Cup Series or anything like that. So uh, this is the biggest race of his life. And, and, and if he wins it, it's I mean, he could think about like what that money really was because he's done so well at Eldora and he can't expect to win. I mean, you're, you're not, you know, you're not counting on it, but you can't expect it when you're so good. Some of the guys, yeah, a little bit more out there. They're not maybe uh, having the same feeling that a Jonathan Davenport or, or Brandon Overton after running so well last year is having. I mean, it's, it will be more of a little bit of a, uh, a dream surprise but those other guys they, they they really when when you're a big winner at Eldora you could really feel like hey I can I can do this and and uh it, it probably puts more pressure on him for the last few months like Jonathan Davenport said he hasn't even thought for the rest of the season past the past the um uh the million because he's been so focused on it so that's uh uh it does put a little more pressure on a guy when uh when he's uh, feels he can win it so much, and then it's going to be a letdown when you don't. Yeah, and he's fresh off that $50,000 to win race at West Virginia Motor. Robert, people have been saying, I've been texting, we did the video cast, who are the favorites to win? It's just been Davenport, Overton, Dale McDowell. Those are the three clear-cut favorites. Tell me why those people are wrong, or tell me why those guys are right, that these might be the only three guys that have a legit, not a legit, but are a clear cut favorites compared to the rest of the field. Are they right about that? Or what do you think? 
you know, when I, when I'm picking favorites for a race like this, and I mentioned this uh, in our, um, in our fast talk, when I'm picking favorites or looking at a race, I look at two things and they're at usually opposite ends of the spectrum. I look at history, uh, which is, you know, how they've done at a place, you know, obviously uh, in the past. And I look at, at what is happening currently, like immediately within the last couple of weeks, who's been hot, who's been not. So, and I, then I try to put those two together to, to kind of formulate my, uh, my opinion on, on who would be a favorite. So historically, Jonathan Davenport, you know, is kind of over the last five, six years, he's really kind of been Mr. El Eldora. Uh, obviously, Brandon Overton swept uh, those races there uh, last year, but but that doesn't take away what uh, JD has done historically at Eldora. So then, so you take what JD's done historically and you put it with what he's what he where he's at right now recently. And so I personally have to put uh, Davenport as the the favorite for the race going in. So I think probably people are in uh, uh, good shape if they picked him. But uh, then of course, you, when you come to uh, Brandon Overton, kind of the same thing. You look at historically, he hasn't had that, that long record of really good runs at Eldora, but obviously he's coming off uh, one of the best, the, the really the best season ever uh, to, for, for an Eldora uh, campaigner with what he did there last year. Plus, he's ran really well this year. He's uh, maybe not won those big races that you'd expect him to early in the year, but he's been right there in the hunt. So, based on his recent history at Eldora, based on how he's ran this year, clearly he's probably the second driver. McDowell, eh, he has a history of running good there, but he's he hasn't had a history of fishing really. You know, he's had a history of finishing strong, but he hasn't had a history of finishing first, uh, except for, you know, a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, it's not a bad pick uh, for sure. It's kind of an easy pick if you ask me, but uh, I guess three drivers that I would lean towards maybe my pick to win and I want to stick with it is, uh, is Tim McCready. Uh, Tim McCready's record at Eldora over the last 10 races that they ran at Eldora, not the last 10 years, but 10 races. It'd be five dreams or four dreams, four um, World 100s, and then of course the, the dirt late model stream or whatever, and then the intercontinental. You take those 10 races is what I looked at. His record uh, has a better finish. He's won two of those 10, and he has a better finishing percentage than uh, a higher finishing percentage average than um, McDowell. So I'm taking McCready over McDowell. And then, of course, you look at a guy, two other guys would be Madden and Ferguson. How do you count those guys out? I just think it's really difficult to handicap this race. You've got 115 guys and you're trying to handicap it. Uh, yeah, sure, we're going to put, I think there's only two clear-cut favorites, and that's, you know, the, the two Georgia drivers. You know, that's, uh, you know, Overton and, and and JD. But then after that, uh, man, it's a real toss up. And uh, I'm going to stick with my original pick. I'm not going to hedge. I'm not going to do, I'm going to say Tim McCready gets it done on the big stage. He's capable. He's won twice there in the last 10. So I'm not saying anybody's wrong by picking those other guys because, because mathematically it's a great, those are great picks, but they're just not my picks this weekend. Yeah, for sure. I didn't get the pick in the video cast, but I did a betting thing and I have JD one in the million. That guy's just been fast here the last month and a half. He's an Eldora modern day guru. So he's going to be very, very tough to beat. But Kyle, I got to ask you, you kind of talked to Tyler Courtney and a couple other guys who are not full-time super late model drivers. Do they have a chance to make some noise this weekend? And what's kind of their feeling after uh, talking to them and getting some notes from them? Yeah, I think the best of, I mean, there's, there is Tyler Courtney, there's Chase Briscoe. Um, Donnie shots, you know, those are the primary three. And so I think, you know, of the three, um, that Tyler Courtney, obviously, you know, as I said on the video cast, you know, they had more of a pipe dream, obviously for him in a situation or a scenario to even be within the first 
five rows right starting or just to even make the feature i mean that's the that's his prime that's his primary goal is to uh for tyler courtney is just to get in there try to make the field on thursday night and uh see what he can do from there i mean he's only run one 25 lap race i think um the flow race and night race at aldora at, with his crazy track conditions finished ninth but he was riding around 12th 13th 14th some guys dropped out he finished ninth which is still a respectable finish um so i mean like tyler courtney he told me that you know driving the late model around eldora wasn't i mean obviously it, it has fenders on it it's a full body like machine and, and he's never ran a late model but uh, it didn't race all that differently as you would a sprint car or a midget or a silver crown car in terms of how he had to attack the racetrack, you know, mindset, race management, racecraft, and so forth. And so I thought that that was interesting. Um, now, how does, you know, the whole night come into play in terms of his draw or um, you know, just, just how he stacks up in the heat race, you know, who he has to go against on, on the prelim light, you know, just all these kind of like different scenarios. It wouldn't really surprise me if, if he were to finish in the top 20, top 15, top 10. I mean, that would be something to really talk about, but I'm not too sure about that. You know, as for Chase Briscoe, I mean, he hasn't really been close to even qualifying for any late model features yet. I think he's got three or four late model races under his belt and then tiny shots. I uh, talked to him after the Bridgeport outlaw race and uh, he was just happy to just be entered in the race. So, you know, we'll see what those two do. But, uh, you know, if I had had my eyes on one of those outsiders, it is Tyler Courtney just because of his track record at Eldora, I mean, he's so good there. He won the King's Royal last year in his rookie year um, at Eldora, so um, he can adapt quickly. But obviously, you know, this is a, an entirely different beast. And so he is optimistic, and so we'll see how much optimism, you know, he can carry on throughout this week. Yeah, and I remember him at PRI show. We interviewed him, and he was saying, Suave, try to hook me up with a ride. So – Pretty cool that he got one, and he's going to try to become the first driver ever to have a, you know, King's Royal and a major crown jewel victory in a late model. So uh, that's never been done before, so that'd be pretty cool to see that. And Kovac, we saw Tony Stewart with that video last Thursday saying, we're working on the track around the clock. We're trying to get this thing hardened, obviously the first two times, which the one in April I could see first time ever, very wet. Now, the one that was at the Johnny Appleseed caused a little concern. And you would think after a Memorial Day weekend that Chris Ferguson would have been like the biggest storyline of winning that. But I don't think that was the case, at least on social media. People were just complaining about the track. We had funny quotes from Kyle Bronson and other drivers. What was the mood like maybe that you heard or, you know, reached out to drivers? How are they feeling maybe before Tony came out with their videos or anything that maybe changed after that? after that video because I know a lot of people were very very concerned about it and if that's the case literally anybody could win win the million if the track's like that yeah uh I, everybody I spoke with at, at West Virginia that you know that's going to um <clears throat> Eldora uh the, the first thing one of the first things they obviously mentioned was was about that racetrack well, they're just hoping I mean it was almost like uh, you could put a uh you know a, a record record the same thing from everybody I mean I mean, I hope it's not like it was for those that last race or, you know, both of those races this year. And I hope it ain't that rough, you know, and because it, it is I mean, that 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 throws everything out the window. Um, the the guys like the the guys that are just so good on that slick, smooth surface, the, the Brandon Overton's the JD, you know, and Chris Madden's another one. I mean, I'm like, we'll throw him. I mean, he's he's due for a win at Eldora. <laughs> he's run so well all year already. So maybe this is his, his chance. I mean, maybe, maybe he's waited long. Maybe he's waited to the perfect time to have everything fall his way. But if it's rough, I mean, it just becomes a survival of the fittest. And uh, I, I, did, I did notice that there guys, most guys kind of uh, ended their thoughts on Eldora by saying, oh, I see Tony Stewart was out there. Tony was out there on the racetrack. Uh, they had, it looked like it was sunny, you know, for a few days. 
uh, that last, those last like into the weekend and stuff. So uh, when he had the track open, it looked like on that video and hopefully that's drying it out. And it seemed that the drivers were in, in the crew guys and uh, the crew chiefs and all were, were, were confident uh, that, that that would help that racetrack. And it, it would get, Tony was going to get it turned around. Uh, I, I, but still there's that worry. This is a little bit more of a worry than you've ever seen coming in uh, to Eldora for, for that track service. I mean, I, I, I don't know when the last time would be that everybody was really so concerned about what they were going to get. I mean, it's really pretty much been a, uh, you know, it's been pretty, pretty consistent that's racing service for, for a quite a long time. Uh, so this is going to be a different story, a little, uh, a little worry on everybody's mind as they, as they head out onto the, onto the racetrack. And uh, I mean, as soon as they, as soon as they get there and, and look at it on, on Wednesday for the first time, there'll be a lot of comments, I'm sure, you know, I mean, everyone will have their opinion. It's like the weather. Oh, it's going to hit the weather. And, you know, when everybody, they, they know if it's going to rain or not, now all these guys are going to be out there looking at, oh, this is the way the track's going to be. It's, oh, it's going to be crappy. Oh, it's going to be good, you know. So uh, there'll be plenty of opinions, but there'll be a lot of eyes on that racetrack as soon as, the, as soon as people can get in there to look at it. Yeah, I, my hopes are very high that they got that thing turned around. I mean, it is Eldora. All eyes are on it, but they have all the equipment in the world. Um, if you got Tony out there, got, you saw some other photos of him, like, looking at the racetrack and stuff. So everybody out there, R-E-L-A-X. But if it obviously turns out, you know, kind of rough, don't blame it on me because I jinxed this just now. But I'm just saying that. But, Robert, I've been going to Eldora since 1999, and it's just every time I go there, it's just – I, it's kind of like romantic to me. I just have so many memories. It's such a good time there. You just think about the crazy races, the crazy drama. I, it's just a perfect fit to have another million-dollar race there, isn't it? I don't uh, think there's another track in the United States that could have this race. Uh, I really – I mean, it's – this is a, a perfect uh, perfect situation. You know, it was perfect in 2001. seemed like it anyway. It, it, it was uh, – perfect now it seems like it's going in you know uh, hopefully you know in a, a week from now we look back and and realize that this that everything was okay the track surface was good and you know that and and i don't mind it having a little character I, it doesn't have to be smooth as an interstate if you've been through some of our interstates in tennessee they're not that smooth anyway uh so so uh, you know i really feel like uh, eldor speedway is is the only place that could could have this deal and I, i've said that earlier i just um 10 20 years down the road if we have another one or whatever five years or whatever if it's somewhere else it just i mean will it really be the same you know i mean you top the hill and you got the campers and the flags and you know and from even now from a distance you can see the new cell cell tower that they put up several years back and you know you're getting close and you know i, I took my my daughter up there to that uh, uh flow race at uh, the Castrol race that we had the midweek and it was cool for her to see that it was cold remember uh and, but it was it was a uh, uh cool for her to see all that but it's not the same as when you've got all those people there and all those campers and and you top the hill and it's you don't see corn anymore you see RVs you know and and that's um uh, so I, I I urge people to try to get out uh, if they can't get to this race, get to the World 100, you know, because this place is, is like you said, man, it's it's like no other. It's, I mean, it's Eldora Speedway. It's, it is like no other. The, the aura, the feeling you get, I mean, it's it's second to none, Suave, second to none. In the words of Mike Norris, no doubt about it. It's kind of like going to back to Wrigley Field. I'll use that as an example. Like when you go there, you just go back to flashbacks of your first time ever going to a major league baseball game. That's how I feel every time I go into Eldora Speedway. All right, Kyle, we talked about the favorites. I'm going to go around the room here. We'll start with you. What kind of maybe a dark horse or a guy that's kind of not a top four or five favorite that you think could hoist the big check this weekend? Well, I mentioned two drivers in our fast talk. Chris Ferguson, I, I don't know how we want to view him going into this event. Is it like fair – is it insulting to call him a dark horse? Is it fair to call him a dark horse? He's one of those drivers, um, you know, just because of the season he's having and coming off of the show me win. And, you know, he was the only driver not named Chris Madden to finish in the top six, all three 
races at the dirt track at Charlotte for the Colossal 100. And then obviously too, you know, he had the 50,000 paycheck at Bristol. So, you know, you have to think, you know, he is in that conversation, at least as a, you know, the top dark horse or a contender or fringe favorite, you know, however he falls on that spectrum. But um, a guy that nobody's really talking about is Greg Satterley. You know, he won his World 100 prelim last year, ran ninth in last year's um, Saturday Dream. Uh, started the year with eight straight podiums, had a Lucas Oil Series win at Port World Speedway. Um, you know, he likes Eldora. He can get around that joint pretty nicely. Um, he's never had a finer start to like any season of his career. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix, you know, by the end of the night on Thursday, um, you know, he's running really well right now. He's saved his equipment, you know, disregard his performance on Sunday at Hagerstown. That was a race car that he hadn't brought out in a long time. Uh, the race car that he's had plenty of success with this year, it's coming back. Uh, to Eldora this week. So, uh, you know, don't forget about Greg Satterley. Um, I've been watching him race a lot this year, and he just – things are clicking for him. And uh, he has the track record, as Robert mentioned, to kind of back that up too. Kovac, I'm going to go to you. A dark horse, maybe that's not a favorite. Are guys like Tyler Herb, De Devin Moraine, and like Brandon Shepard, no one's really talking about, are they considered dark horses? And – that's kind of shocking to say, especially for the Rocket One team, who, you know, led 60 laps last year at a dream, and then 2019 at the – or 2020 stream he led, and then he won the dream. He's kind of a an afterthought. But is there any other guys that come to mind other than those three, or are they actually dark horses? Yeah, I don't know if I consider them dark horses. Uh, I, I consider them in that second tier, you know, after the – I mean, my top five, I, I had Madden, McDowell, Davenport, Overton, and McCready. That's like the – the five guys that I think that have the, the, the best shot. I mean, that if, if everything is a normal Eldora uh, and then I put Shepard and, and Herb and, and, and Ferguson and those kind of guys in the next tier over, I mean, not, not the, cause they haven't just haven't shown, like you said, the Shepard did win and he, and he led laps last year, but he hasn't shown that 100 laps uh, in the strength and, and, uh, and then recent history too. Overall, I mean, the last two weeks, Shepard's going into the dream having struggled pretty badly at a, at the Show Me 100 and at West Virginia. wasn't a contender really at all, and and either weekend, which is really surprising, uh, where he never really showed a flash of of even being up front. Uh, so he has some work to do. Now it's not Eldora, but it's still you know. I mean, you want to be going in there with some some momentum from momentum. Uh, the guy that I would like consider like a dark horse kind of down after that second tier, you wouldn't really throw him in there. Maybe is, is a Ricky Weiss. Uh, he's run well at Eldora before he's uh, he was in contention to win a, a, a big one a few years ago until the late restart. Uh, and, and he, he has speed there. He knows how to get around that place. Uh, he ran well uh, just on a big racetrack at a big high bank racetrack at Bristol. Uh, this year with uh, during the XR races and then he won one of the outlaw races. Uh, and I think that outlaw race was, uh, <coughs> was sort of a breakthrough for him where uh, obviously it was his first outlaw win with the sniper, his own sniper chassis. But it also, uh, he, after he won that race, he said he kind of, he, he, he had lost the lead to Chris Madden and get up, got it back. And he might not have done that in the past. You know, he said, I mean, it was, a, it got, something got to the point where like, I'm going to go take this. I'm going to seize the moment here. I'm not letting, I'm not going to get passive and not win uh, and not go for the win. And so I think if he's in a position now, he'll have that little position to be able to go for a win in Eldora. He would, uh, he's not going to satisfy. He's not going to be content running uh, the second or third or whatever. So I, I think that's a guy that you could look at as, uh, as maybe getting in there and, and becoming a, uh, you know, and, and becoming that dark horse winner. The Canadian getting a little shout out love for, a dark horse or a guy that can maybe shock the world. Maybe he's like a four to five seed making a little run like in the NCAA tournament. Robert, 
you just want me to say it for you, Dennis Herb Jr., he's going to have a shot. He's not even a dark horse. I think he's one of the favorites. He's a former winner. Uh, you know, I don't – it's hard to put him in the favorites list, but, you know, right. I was thinking uh, – you know, I was thinking about about Dennis and if the track conditions are kind of rough, a guy like – a guy that really likes that bottom and can really rotate down around the wall uh, – has a really good chance to win this, not just Dennis, but there's, you know, there's a couple of them out there, you know, who really prefer that low line. And you, Eldora is so wide. You, you think of Eldora as this big sweeping race track, these long corners, and it's almost a big circle, but I mean, you can really make up time down around that wall if the track conditions are just right. Uh, uh, we've seen people win on top. We've seen people win on bottom. So if the track is right uh, or wrong, uh, then, yeah, Dennis has a real shot. He has a real shot anyway, but just because he does really rotate down there and, and work well uh, around that bottom. So I'm not 100% sure I'd put him in my favorites list, but I'm not really sure I'd put him in my uh, my dark horse list either. I think he's kind of like, uh, like Kevin said, kind of in a second tier um, of, of group guys with like, uh, you know, Shepard and uh, maybe a Bobby Pierce, Tyler Herb, Hudson. Um, Jimmy Owens, those are kind of a second level group that if they come up and win this race, people are, are going to be like, oh, Owens won or uh, Hudson O'Neill won. You know, I don't think it's going to be a big, it's not going to shock the world. Um, but, you know, to your question, my my dark horses, uh, I, I'll throw two out there as well. And, and I'll jump on the Kyles and uh, uh, Kyle Strickler, who, who uh, you know, led all of those laps back there when we had during the COVID races that we, we had there. And, uh, uh, he, oh man, how, what a story that would be for him to have such heartache. And we remember that photo of him sitting on his car and, and his head and his hands, you know, after that, such a disappointment from, from that race right there, you know, it would be, it would be just, um, what, what a story it would be for him to come back and get redemption uh, you know, to win this race, you know, and, and I know that he probably thinks that was that race that he lost that paid, I think $50,000 was like the worst thing in the world, but I guarantee you he'd do it 10 times over if he could come back and win this race. So, uh, so yeah, I'll throw Kyle Strickler out there and another one who can get up on the wall and, and bang the cush and knock the spore off and keep going. And another Kyle is Kyle Bronson. Uh, don't count that cat out there because he's showed a lot of speed, just has his have the consistent finishes there. Uh, if the track is a little bit heavy and he can get up on there and, and really sail around through there, uh, he has a chance. You know, and he's won big – it's not like the guy hasn't won big races, but this uh, clearly would be uh, a career-defining moment for, uh, for Kyle Bronson and maybe help him, you know, pay off that racetrack down there in, in South Georgia too he could win this race so that would be a that would be a big deal for either one of those Kyles those are my dark horses all right one more question before we get to one more thing it's kind of a I don't know I kind of thought about it on the spot here obviously the dreams Friday and Saturday after the million which is on Thursday night which is kind of weird dynamic in itself maybe you know the guy winning the million is just gonna load up and drink beer the rest of the time so we might have to wait and see on that one because I know I want to be racing that's for damn sure at least on that Friday so what would be your dream scenario Thursday night, Kyle? You're getting ready to do interviews, the winner and stuff like that. What would be kind of like your dream scenario? Dream scenario as in like how the race ended or who would and win? Or like what? Cool storyline and person, certain person won. What would it be? Sure. Well, I, I think it'd be really cool to see Scott Bloomquist uh, just get back to prominence at the Eldora Million. I don't think it would ever – I don't think you, you could script it any <laughs> just like any perfect than that, you know, Scott Bloomquist, the goat, you know, coming back, not winning in almost, you know, two seasons. He's been knocking on the door here recently, certainly has his car uh, back up to speed. Uh, his leg is healthy and he has the team now underneath him and uh, confidence has never been lost when it comes to Scott Bloomquist. So I just, uh, you know, I came on the video cast and uh, he was my pick on Thursday. Uh, I'm not balking on that. Uh, I'm not playing that up either. Or I'm not, you know, taking a shot in the dark with that. Or I'm not even trying to create a storyline with that or try to be cute with that. I think 
you know, he's my pick. I'm going to hold like by that. And uh, I just think that'd be really cool, you know, just to just, um, you know, I never had a chance to really watch Scott in his absolute prime. And so I think it'd just be super cool, you know, to, for me to, you know, just kind of see that personally um, stories, you know, I know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the old journalist Cardinal rule, obviously never to root for anybody, not root for him, but the story itself. I mean, that would be incredible to see that kind of manifest and unfold, you know, right before our eyes. And I mean, well, I mean, I don't even know how that would even, you know, they would probably dang near burn the place down. <laughs> and if I'm um, Scott, do you even come back? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say come back, you know, for the weekend, but come back period. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, that would have to be one that, 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 you know, kind of comes to mind or just kind of a, a guy uh, like a Kyle Strickler. I mean, that would be awesome, you know, so, there's a lot of different storylines to monitor, you know, just kind of go down the list. And uh, um, a Dennis Herb, I mean, my gosh, you know, uh, that would be cool too. So, but no, I'm going to stick by my guns and say that, you know, Scott Boonquist would be probably the perfect storyline if he were to win on Thursday. Yeah, and I think he would get a standing ovation. Kovac would have a full-blown chub because his interview would be a great one afterwards. My dream scenario is just anybody from the lane of Lincoln, Illinois, pulls it off. Then we could say we finally got a millionaire in racing like Ohio always claims with Donnie Moran. Kovac, what are you thinking? What would be like you're done after the race, doing your little shimmy shake in the press box, going up to the winner or something crazy? What would yours be? Well, that Bloomquist scenario is is one because you know you want you, it's you, you want to see what that reaction would be like too. Uh, I mean, there, there's something crazy would probably have happened if Scott Bloomquist wins. It's not because he, uh, you know, it was just something you know calm and cool the whole night. I mean, probably something crazy has happened. Yeah, something gone nuts. So, uh, and it'll get the crowd going. But like he, like I said, he he told me at the Show Me 100 that he wouldn't. He's, he expects that if he would he would be able to win, it's been so long since he won a race, almost two years, that uh, he wouldn't get those boos. He would be a little bit more of a sentimental favorite uh, than, than, normal, than the normal booing and cheering mix that he gets. Uh, I think he'll get more cheers than boos uh, because he's uh, just people would kind of realize the significance of uh, one of the all-time greats winning this race. But Overall, though, I, I mentioned this in the video cast too. I, I, I just I would like to see somebody that has been a dirt late model lifer, you know, a guy that's just put his whole life or you know decades into the sport, uh, win the race, kind of like a payoff for all those hours and toil and highway miles, uh, kind of like it was for Donnie Moran. He was, you know, really he was 38. He wasn't really that old when he won it. He was only 38 years old when he won the million, but. He'd already had a good 20 years in the sport and, um, you know, his, his whole life was around. He was a full-time racer and, and that really meant a lot to him and made, it made a difference in his life. And not that, I mean, everyone who wins this most likely uh, will, will have a, will be a, will make a difference in their life. And that's a story in itself. I mean, just how, uh, how it affects them and their families and how they can go on, you know, how, how they go on into the future uh, because they have this money now. Uh, more money than they've ever had maybe. Uh, but if, if it would be one of those veteran guys and nothing against like the, the newer guys, the, uh, the, the 20 year olds and stuff that are really, really good. Uh, but it would be nice to have one of those real long, long time veterans get it to be like the payoff towards the end of their career, kind of send them off into the sunset eventually, not like these guys retire right immediately or anything, but, but something towards the end of their career, that's really going to set them up for a, the you know non-racing when they're when they're done racing yeah that would be that'd be that'd be pretty sweet to see a veteran win it put their heart and soul in this sport and get a good good payday back and that'd be that'd be dramatic it'd be exciting either way whoever wins it is going to be life-changing money robert what are you thinking you're liking your chops getting ready to type a story what is your dream scenario you know i uh uh, while we were talking about this, while I wasn't distracted a hundred percent by by Kovacs uh, kitty cat who was walking across the uh, the computer there, 
uh, I was looking through the uh, list of entries, you know, and uh, obviously for me, I would love to see a guy like Dennis Herb Jr. win it. You know, I'm, a, I'm clearly a, a Dennis Herb fan. The Scott Bloomquist scenario is absolutely wonderful. I think that uh, the, you would definitely have more people would give thumbs up to that than thumbs down probably. Uh, and, and I remember, you know, uh, Kevin talking about, uh, you know, wanting the, uh, you know, the veterans to kind of get that, that career payoff here and how special that would be. So, uh, but, you know, one of the things that kind of stood out to me when I looked down through that list of, of uh, entries is a Shannon Babb. Uh, I think that would be a great storyline, uh, you know, a story of redemption, you know, from uh, from his uh, Eldora past where he was uh, light at the scales. Uh, I think that would be, you know, he's a career guy. Uh, he's a family guy. You know, he's got his little farm there in Illinois that uh, he could, you know, go buy some corn and some hay and stuff for his uh, farm animals and his little zoo. Uh, I just think that that would be a, I think Shannon Babb would be a, an excellent storyline uh, because, you know, he seems so genuine in that he's happy to be out there racing and he doesn't know how long he's going to race and he doesn't know how you know, he'd race without his supporters. And I just think that would be a, a, a good story. And there's a guy that we haven't mentioned. I'll, I'll throw in, he's got really strong ties to all this stuff. He's got strong ties, a parallel career to the GOAT, to Scott Bloomquist. He's a career guy who's given his life to the sport, and he has ties to uh, to Shannon Babb. Anybody? Anybody help me with who Moyer. I'm thinking about here? Yeah, that's exactly right. Billy Moyer. Would this be the race if Billy Moyer could win it? Would this be the race that is his official retirement party? <laughs> you know, he's retired 17 times. So this might be the race if he could win is he, this might be the one that says, he says, screw it. I'm not, I'm my hel here's my helmet, take it, you know? So, uh, so yeah, Billy Moyer, uh, who has, uh, who, who arguably is, is, uh, you know, in the top two driver ever, uh, who uh, is a veteran who's given his life to the sport. That would be a pretty, pretty cool story to write right there as well. So uh, either one of those two guys, I think would be, would be cool. Robert, if Bab wins, both our dream scenarios would come and play then. An Illinois guy wins, and then yours. <laughs> and B, if Shane and Bab wins, I'm telling you guys right now, Michael Rigsby, if you, you're listening, I will not be at work Friday. I'm taking a personal day. Too much celebrating with the Mawequa missile. That would be, uh, I don't know, I you kind of, we always kind of make fun of Ali Collis, you know this, Kovac, crying when Mike Marler won in the press box at Knoxville. It'd be pretty hard for me to not hold back uh, or to hold back tears of Shane and Bab won. So I'm just going to throw it out there. That'd be a dream. We'd have to send, um, we'd have to send somebody else with the camera to his trailer to do yes, that interview. Yes. Yes. And then me and Kovac can get the late night interview. Like we do at Prairie dirt with Mason Ziegler. That'll be, yeah, that's a, I have that. I have my, I have that recorded from Derek uh, at that one there. And it was very, very, uh, it was a good one. I, I should, we should put that on here sometime special edition. Perfect. Well, guys, of course, we're almost done with the show. One more thing. I will go first. Next week, we'll kick off the Dirt Car Summer Nationals on Tuesday. We come out on Wednesday, so I wanted to mention this. Kovac's shaking his head. I've been. This has been a thing my entire childhood, my entire work life to hear the last, you know, 11 years at Dirt on Dirt. So the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, it will be intriguing. They're going back to the old format of just a month of racing. They're also going to – it'll be interesting as well as what drivers will be competing at all of them, what drivers will try to do the whole thing because we have big-time races, you know, overlapping, like XRs having those Stewart Isle races, those four, four nights. And there's just other big races going on during that time. So, the, uh, I mean, I-80 is still going to go off against the final weekend. So, it's kind of like in a year I'm thinking the Summer Nationals, is it going to be like a, how it has been with a lot of Illinois guys doing it? I've heard some different outside drivers like Cody Overton. They're playing out on it, but we'll have to wait and see. But just wanted to give it a shout out. The Dirt Car Summer Nationals, UMP Country next week, a month of racing in the Midwest. Sam Driggers, cigarettes. I cannot wait for it. Uh, Kyle, how about you? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> right after Eldora, I'm heading out to Kansas uh, for the Bubble Nationals on Monday and Tuesday. So no rest for the weary. And then later next week, too, 
uh, hitting the back back end of the week's uh, summer national races. So get to go to Fairbury on Saturday, Tri City, Davenport. Yeah, no, no rest for the weary. So uh, you know, coverage of other races, you know, we'll be pumping out, you know, within 24 hours of uh, you know this week's big events at Eldora. So looking forward to that and uh you know keeping things rolling here on the uh on the travels just a heads up kyle after you said what the crown jewels were last week and you didn't mention the yeah i was very you have to you're gonna have to watch out there right. just, that's all i gotta say so maybe you can write a uh, crown jewel before you get there so <laughs> oh boy he's gonna meet parish there i think parish right, is gonna let, let him have see. it right there here we go I was rushing through some notes as to potential historic races. And so we're going to have to quantify and, and, and clear the air here on, on what a crown jewel is, especially this guy here who uh, made a, a, a catastrophic error. So I'm sorry for my blasphemous hand Cause he did so say it exactly me, last week. Please mercy. I asked for it. Yeah, Robert, you actually said it on air. Kyle just forgot to mention the prairie dirt. So more people are probably mad at Robert, actually. I didn't mention the prairie dirt. No, I'm pretty sure no, 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 no. All, all I was saying was that, that the deal at, uh, at people at, at Cherokee probably don't like me anymore, but the, all I'm saying is the deal at Cherokee is not a crown jewel. That's all I'm saying. That's uh, I'm not saying what he left off the list. I'm saying what he put on the list was was not uh, kosher. Yeah, that's all right. We'll forget about it. But just make sure, Kyle. Just formal apologies. Get just get ready because Fairbury people, you know, get fired up when they make fun of the racetrack. I'm kind of not one of them anymore. But I just had to throw that out there. Kovac, what about you? Uh, I just mentioned one of the guys that's uh, have a new deal for the million in the dream this week. Nick Hoffman, the modified ace from North Carolina. He's running a Barry Wright house car. Uh, he did run it once already this year, you know, a couple weeks ago uh, down South, get a, you know, got his feet wet with it. And <clears throat> he's, you know, he, there's a guy that ran the Bloomquist, you know, as a, as for Scott Bloomquist last year, did well in a lot of races. And, and he showed that I think he has the talent to, to run a late mile. I mean, obviously you don't win all those modified races by accident, um, and now he's, he's got this right. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, Barry Wright house car, we haven't really seen that out this year. Uh, so, uh, this is, be a, you know, be a good, maybe it's could be a good pairing. Maybe they can, uh, build something together being both from down South like that and, uh, and started up here with a, with a good run at Eldora. Yeah. Mod ace going to be wheeling that BTWC car and Robert finishing strong with the legend, big shot, Bob, what do you got for us? I, uh, just wanted to. Uh, give a mention uh, down there to uh, down there at uh, Scraven to Red Griffin, who is uh, man. I don't know if anybody's seen their Facebook page or uh, checked out what they're doing down there, but you know they've had a, uh, a grandstands on the back side of their track for for quite a while, and now they are are finishing that up. They've moved the flag stand over there, so they're kind of flip flopping the track. But they're building a a new um, a, a new press box, and it is it is really if anybody's ever been to Scraven and been to their old press box, they will definitely appreciate what they've got going on here. When I looked first looked at it on Facebook, I thought I mean I thought I was looking at a shot from Indianapolis from like the pagoda, you know. I mean it's like big and. I mean, it's cool. And, and uh, Kelly Carlton, our, our buddy Kelly, said that they're about to put uh, uh, like $50,000 worth of glass in that thing. Uh, so, I mean, that's it's, it's a monster. I mean, for something like that to, to happen down there, you know, with, for the winter freeze and, and they're always doing upgrades. And, we, and it's he's got a world-renowned kitchen down there with his menu already. Uh, and so to have a press box and stuff that we can actually all get in because the last time I was, the first time I was there, I sat, I had a TV tray and I sat pretty much in the parking lot, like kind of behind the, the press box. And then I finally went up in there and I was like all kind of tangled up on all these wires and stuff. And then, so the one year I was there, it was like during the winter freeze and they had a hole in the wall and I had to get some duct tape and tape it up. 
because the wind was whipping through there. So, so this is a much needed upgrade for for a long time there at that racetrack, and and they have gone way beyond upgrade. They are making a very very nice uh, press box and VIP area and stuff like that there. So, uh, I look forward to seeing that get finished. And uh, and believe it or not, once it gets finished, I might you might actually hear some of us say, "Hey, we." we we're excited about going to Screven, you know, because we'll have a place to kind of sit. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice looking nice looking deal down there. My question is to you, Robert: Will all the state police officers that are there during the winter freeze be able to fit in that press box? Because there's more policemen and officers there than drivers and entries. As long as they allow me a place to park and don't like try to like direct me to Savannah or something, you know, they can sit wherever they they can sit where they want. That's cool. Yep, that is awesome. That press box did look pretty sweet on Facebook. So kudos to Screvin and Red and Company down there. Well, guys, it is a million week. Man, oh, man, I can't believe it's finally here. We'll be racing for big-time money. All the nerves and the competitors are going to be fired up, ready to go. These guys will bring us great stories throughout the week. Make sure to check them out. Make sure to check out our recaps and feature highlights on Dirt on Dirt and go watch it at Flow Racing. Every single lap will be live. Um, 5000 to start. That's also a cool bonus there. And make sure you guys check out the pre-race stuff that we've done all week on Dirt on Dirt. These three have put in their time and effort for this week, and they are dedicating all their uh, – all their assets, you know, to make some good stories. So cannot wait to read them. So make sure you check it out. And we will see you next week on the Dirt Reporters. Until next time.